Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Encounter episode 225 or 225. I'm John O'Logan, and we are in the first episode of the fall season of Random Encounter. Uh, it's actually my favorite time of year. I love the fall because I get to wear my leather jacket again. I don't really love it when it's super, super, super hot. I like it to be warm. I just don't like to be like insanely hot. And in the summertime, I can't wear my my nice leather jacket that I've had since I was like in grade 11. So, but now it's, it's beautiful out. It's like 15, 16 degrees every day. So I can go outside, I can wear a leather jacket, I can go on a walk. It's fantastic. But we also have two other big fall enthusiasts here. So let me introduce them today. Uh, we have Caitlin on the show, which probably means we're going to talk about Final Fantasy uh, 14. We could. There was a live letter recently. We might bring that up then because, I mean, why not? You're here. Uh, and it's when you're here, we have to talk about Final Fantasy 14. But no, we're going to be talking about another another minor gaming obsession of yours, which I am much more excited about than Final Fantasy 14. <gasps> Oh no, really? I'm not excited about Final Fantasy 14. Everyone everyone knows I keep saying that I'm not going to play it because I have no soul and I don't like RPGs. Mm, I don't believe that. That I don't like RPGs or I don't have a soul. Or that I'm not going to play Final Fantasy 14. All of the above. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. That, uh, that actually fills me with joy. Um, and we also have Nikki, who is currently going to be taking a deep dive into some classic retro titles, uh, but not for Retro Encounter. There has been a a glut of retro gaming that has come out in the last couple of weeks, and Nikki is going to be handling that. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about uh, something a little bit different. We'll we'll get to that, though. Um, so how have you both been since the last time you were here? Caitlin, I think it's been well at least a few weeks, and Nikki, same? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Has anything happened? Anything exciting? Anything? Uh, I passed my candidacy review for my MFA program. Woohoo! Yay, congrats. That's awesome. Thank news. you. Yay, academic success. I don't really ever want to go back to school, I have to admit. I think I've had enough school in my life. I would go back to school if I didn't have to pay for it. That's also very fair. If school was free, I'd probably still be at school. Uh, in my life, everything seems to be going okay. I got back from the cottage. I got back from Nova Scotia. I have no more vacations. I have no. I have nowhere else to go. I don't have anywhere to go anymore except for home. So I'm going to be here and uh, for the entire winter, not going outside, except to wear my leather jacket occasionally. Um, I am playing, well, we're going to talk about Lost Judgment in a minute, but I've started Lost Judgment. So I'm completely content with staying at home and seeing nothing and nobody. Amanda's playing something. Amanda has just started Fantasian. Oh, yay. Yeah, it's really exciting because she doesn't often play games on her iPad and she started this and she's really enjoying it. It's really good. Um, I'm closing in on finishing it finally. So uh, I guess I'll probably be on again in the future episode to talk about that. Well, you're always welcome to come back on, Caitlin. Um, yeah, so I've I've been watching her play it and I've been like, ooh, that looks real pretty. And I've been thinking, hmm, maybe I want to play it too. And then I look at my backlog and I'm like, hmm, maybe in six or seven years from now. Well, maybe they'll have ported it somewhere besides iOS by then. Yeah, maybe. I don't mind playing games on iOS though. I like iOS. I like the platform. Um, and I, I like touch controls. Uh, I'm not entirely certain. Would you prefer to, if you had a choice, would you play it with touch controls or a controller? A uh, controller. Controller. I don't, I don't really like touch controls. Well, she's playing it with uh, touch controls and she seems to like it. And I suggested that if, does she want a controller? I could pair one of my, one of my embarrassingly large number of controllers to her iPad. And she's like, nope, want to keep playing it like this. So that's totally fine. Um, but what I'm playing right now is what you played a few weeks ago and I was super jealous, and I was right to be jealous because it's friggin' awesome. 
And that is lost judgment. Yes, yes. How, how far are you? Just so I know what I shouldn't say. Okay. Uh, well, first off, everyone, welcome to Yakuza Encounter, as this as this show becomes whenever I get to talk about Yakuza, because that's very exciting. Uh, I'm about 35% of the way into the game, it says. So I am in Camarocho. I just I just left the bar with the uh, with the gang. Yeah, I am kind of wandering around the city, uh, avoiding going back to the law firm uh, because okay. I'm just I just want to see what's happening and what the what side side content I can find in the city. It feels weird going back to Camarocho. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's nice because like. Like a Dragon started you off in Kamurocho and then you didn't go back until the very end of the game. And yet you had all the the restaurants and the the uh, the mini games and everything like that. And it felt kind of weird to like have the city built up like that when it was barely used in that game. Mm. It's nice how, uh, and this will happen, you, you'll, you'll return to Kamurocho again. Um, it's nice to, the, the story, you know, does kind of take place still mostly in Eugene Cho, but more evenly with more time in Kamarocho um, to sort of justify them still having all of that stuff. You can all the, all the, you know, you can run around, you can still go to the arcade, you can still go to the batting cages. Hmm. Um, you know, you can still go get drunk in the champion district. So like, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. The Yakuza stuff. Yeah. I think I'm further into the game than it. It says I'm 35% of the way into the main story, but the reality, the way I play Yakuza games is uh, avoiding the critical path as much as humanly possible. So, like, I've completed tons of sides of uh, side stories or side cases. I've done, like, I the very first thing I do when I play a Yakuza game is I usually just head to the batting cage, and I usually knock out every single thing I can there, and then I usually head to the golf, and then I usually do the same thing there, and I did both. So like I've completed quite a few I've I've completed a, quite a few side activities and a few mini games and things like that. Um I am really loving it, but I really like Judgment and on Caitlin, I know you really love Judgment as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Lost Judgment and where the characters are now? Yeah. So uh if it wasn't already obvious, Lost Judgment is a sequel to Judgment, um which for those who are uninitiated, Judgment is a uh, spin-off series, although it's in some respects it's already it's kind of taken on the mantle of the the old school Yakuza games as far as gameplay is concerned. Mm. Um, but it's originally a spin-off series set in the same universe, but having you know a whole new cast of characters, whole new story. You don't really need to know much of anything about the Yakuza games to enjoy the Judgment games. Um, and you play as a detective, a former. Well, he is still an attorney who doesn't practice, but he was originally an attorney turned detective who also knows Kung Fu and, you know, martial arts and beats up bad guys uh, just as well as, you know, as Kiryu might uh, in the Yakuza days. Um, And the stories are that they can still have that sort of zany quality and that sort of, you know, over the top quality of Yakuza games, but they're. They're more uh, focused on a, a murder mystery and a, a dark revelations as you kind of peel back the layers and try to figure out who the bad guys are and why they're doing what they're doing. If the Yakuza games are like a movie, this is like a a mini a crime mini series, right down to the every, every whenever you finish a chapter and start a new one, they start with a previously on Lost Judgment kind of style yeah. thing. So it's like you're watching episodes of a show. Yeah, you could seriously just, you know, if 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 all they just like if they included the um 
the opening movie every time you start a new chapter would literally feel like it's just you know yeah which by the way the opening movie is super good i love it so much it's pretty darn good yeah um so lost judgment takes place uh three years after the original judgment um and uh, about two years after uh like a dragon I think, right? Like a Dragon was 2019 was the Yeah, year. and this is 2021. Yeah. So about two years after Like a Dragon and three years after, after the original Judgment, um, all of your, you know, your 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 favorite boys from the detective agency are back in some capacity. Um, there's, like, there's a couple of cameos from smaller characters and whatnot. Um, but the uh, the story this time uh, takes us to Ijin Cho because some of Yagami's friends have started their own detective agency in Ijin Cho. And they get uh, a big case from a local uh, private high school that they can't handle themselves. So they ask their friends, uh, Yagami and Kaito, to come and help them out. It's originally seems really mundane. It has to do with uncovering bullying. It's a nice quiet opening that's really understated as compared to what happened the last time where there's like a string of serial murders and everything. Now it's just like, okay, cool. You're just taking a a job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But things quickly get much more serious because right around the time that, that they're, you know, heading to Injincho and and checking out this school, a body, a very freakishly disturbingly dis- decomposed body shows up in Yokohama in the same, you know, area of Yokohama. And this seemingly unconnected guy in Kamarocho, a police officer who is being uh, uh, tried in court for sexual battery, mysteriously happens to know about this body and who the body is. And despite the fact that he could not possibly have committed or been involved in the murder, he was in custody the entire time. Um, and this, this gets revealed to the player very early on before, before even Yagami and Kuro know about it. And very shortly after arriving in Ijincho and checking out this high school for bullying, uh, Salary, who is, involved in uh, she represents she's the defense attorney for this cop and my favorite character calls, in judgment yes yes i, I love, love her so much. much um calls up yagami because she knows something's up here there's there, there's some some weird uh stuff going on and she needs yagami to help her figure it out and you quickly start you know unraveling details about you know who the dead body who who this person is that was found murdered his relation to different characters, the motive that could be involved. Um, it gets very, you know, it, it it's a different kind of darkness to the sort of darkness you unravel in the, the original judgment. Mm. There's a reason why they start you off going to a school to unravel bullying because bullying is at the heart of this murder investigation, specifically bullying that uh, leads to suicide. Um, the idea being that, that the the reason why this cop is involved is that his son committed suicide four years prior after being bullied by someone, a classmate at his school. And that someone, well, that someone happens to be involved in... Uh, I, I, I feel bad because I, I feel like this is all set up in the first chapter. Yeah, you don't want to spoil I don't want to spoil things, but it's hard to really explain the setup without it, without you know, going to well, the point is that the body is tied in with the high school and bullying in a, in a way that becomes very quickly apparent. And it's an interesting kind of difference to the original judgment where 
you you know from the get-go there are serial murders happening and you know from the get-go that this one character that you're immediately introduced to has something to do with it but you don't know who's really doing the murders and you don't really know why the murders are happening until much later in the game whereas in lost judgment there's still plenty to find out and plenty of twists and surprises but you already have an idea of who must have been involved in the murder at issue and why, but he has an alibi. He has a pretty solid alibi. And the mystery as it starts off is figuring out, okay, how did he do it then? You know, and it gets it from there, things kind of spiral into, uh, you know, there's, there are new characters that you meet that are involved and figuring out how they're involved and what their motives are and whatnot. Things, things kind of, um, Things kind of, I, I don't know, the, 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 the story is very well paced in the first half. I feel like it kind of starts to wobble a little bit in the second half of the game, which isn't necessarily a surprise. The original Judgment also kind of had some pacing problems. Incidentally, Yakuza series does too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not necessarily surprising. I think it overall keeps its pace better than the original Judgment. But there there are some moments where I... I had to pause things for a bit and scratch my head and try to work back through what I had just been told and figure out, okay, so what are we saying happened? Why is this person doing this? Why are we doing this? Mm. Um, Luckily, there is a a conversation log this time around. So if you miss something in a cutscene or you get out of a cutscene and you're just like, okay, wait a second, what? You can pull up the conversation log and go back and read everything. It's... Uh, it can be very helpful. On the other hand, it can be really tempting for someone like me who like has feels like sometimes compelled to go back and reread dialogue to make sure that I that I followed everything. Yeah. So yeah, um, overall, I you know the story is great. Uh, there's some really great uh, humor uh, at various points. I was actually kind of surprised how much humor got injected into the main story at times, considering. Uh, the you know the the original game and the serious subject matter, but it works well. The new characters uh, uh, work well for the most part. Um, like I said, things get a little. It's not that it gets worse. It's more like imagine that you're you're moving at a nice clip through the first half of the game, and you're keeping your balance, and everything is moving nicely, and then you start to sort of speed up a little bit and maybe you you're still moving forward but you kind of like maybe shift a little to the side left or right or whatnot and then eventually once you get used to that faster pace then everything's nice and and focused again it's it's kind of like that where the middle part of the second half of the game had moments where i was kind of like okay what are we doing here but then by the end things you know ramp up the the drama is at its peak and there's some really cool hype moments and i think the game ends uh, on a really uh, good note that once again, you know, left me just, I need more of uh, of these characters. The, 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 the judgment, the original judgment and the characters are so special to me because they are really what helped draw me into the, uh, the Yakuza games. So um, Lost Judgment is absolutely another great entry in what is really kind of like less of a spinoff now, I think, and more of a second mainline series alongside uh, the Yakuza games. So if you were a fan of the original, I think you will enjoy 
the story and the whole game here too as well. Um, and if you've never played one before, definitely play the first judgment first and then immediately as soon as you can play Lost Judgment because there's lots of cool things that Lost Judgment does in the story, but also in the side content that are really fun. And sometimes I, I would almost argue in some respects makes it one of the best uh, games from the uh, from the studio. I think it's wonderful. Even, even Yakuza games that are not technically that great, I've always really, really enjoyed them. Uh, this one, I am... Yeah, I'm I'm fully invested. Obviously, I'm fully invested in the characters because I love the first game. I love I love the character relationships. Um, and this is well, I think well, I think one of the things I like about this game the most is that in in some ways it's pulling a little bit more from the uh, Yakuza DNA of uh, absurdity. Like you mentioned, there are some genuinely funny moments in it, and some of the side cases, especially, are leaning a little bit more heavily on the Yakuza sense of the absurd than the first game did. I think the first game had a great mix of humor and seriousness, but I think it was primarily like a drama. Whereas there are some solid moments of ridiculous comedy in this game uh, that I'm quite enjoying, especially in the, I guess, the the big side case in this game, which is after you have this little, you know, the, the inciting incident, you go and you, you're investigating bullying at this high school. Just because you are now off investigating this murder does not mean that you stop at the high school. Uh, this becomes a massive quest where you become a youth advisor to uh, one of the, to a couple of the student clubs to gain intel on what's going on uh, in the student body and what's going on in this city. And uh, each club has a, a mini game that you uh, you know in, in the great Yakuza tradition. Uh, and the first one, which is in again in the grand Yakuza tradition, a rhythm game where you kind of you become a advisor to the dance club, and I just friggin' love it. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about the about some of the some of the fun fun side narrative stuff. Yeah, so the school stories are super cool. I I remember when they originally revealed uh, the game and told us we were going to school, and I was like, I wasn't. I wasn't sold on it from the, the from the launch. I was like, "Oh, is this going to be like you know, is this house is going to fit with the sort of dark narrative from the original game?" Um, it fits so well, and this the school stories are amazing. They're like a secondary narrative because you you initially you know have to become the uh, the uh, the outside counselor for this. Uh, this detective club essentially in order to give yourself a reason to stay on campus. Like, you know, you, 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 you're going to get in trouble if you don't like have an official reason to be on campus. Yeah. Just try it as an adult, just go to a high school, hang around, see what happens. Yeah. Especially like, you know, when you're a detective and you're, 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 you know, tr trying to pretend like in disguise and you're placing surveillance devices around campus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So the whole idea here is that, your uh, the club that you're advising is on the hunt for this nefarious figure called the professor, who is a, a mysterious figure who is roping in Serio High. This is the the high school is called Serio High. Uh, high school students to do illegal things, and in order to find more information about the professor, you have to infiltrate all these different high school clubs. And you start with a dance club, which is the rhythm mini game. And as you progress in the story for that club, you uh, you gain uh, stats. You have persona like uh, they're called leadership stats. 
So you have different, like you have appeal and teamwork and guts and whatnot, and different clubs will boost different stats. Um, and as you boost those stats, you get access to more clubs. Um, but all of the clubs have their own little narrative. So the dance club starts off with you helping this club out to try and win uh, a national dance competition. Um, and some of the students are a little bit like you're initially checking out this club because one of the students might have a connection to the professor, but you also just, you know, stick around to help guide, uh, this dance club and help them succeed. And then you'll, you know, unlock other clubs. Like there's an esports club, there's a robotics club, there's, uh, a student that you run into who's, uh, uh, a member of a local boxing gym. And all of these clubs have their own mini games. There's two tiers. There are the more involved clubs that have the more involved mini games, the dance club, the box club. They're all like that. They have longer narratives and more, you know, like the, the robotics club is kind of crazy because you literally, you have to build parts for robots and then engage in a territory controlling death match a uh, mini game against an opposing team. It's pretty remarkably involved. And then the other half of the clubs are shorter, their narratives are smaller, their mini games are uh, less complex or don't involve as, as much content. But they all, you know, it's just kind of amazing. I, I wasn't expecting this level of secondary, you know, long form, meaty narrative uh, alongside a you know, nice, long, beady main story and like uh, over 40 side cases and mini games on top of that. So there's there's so much to do in this game. I'm still working on the school stories. Um, I mean, I finished the main story, uh, uh, you know, in order to get our release of, I had to kind of focus on that eventually, but I still have a bunch of school story stuff to go through. Yeah. So it's really awesome. I mean, that's a Yakuza game for you, which that that's how you know this is a Yakuza. Fr- it's a Yakuza game. There's just so much side content. I have no idea how, the, I mean, one of the sub, one of the uh, side uh, cases is about video game crunch. And I feel like there might be a, uh, an SOS in there from the developers because how they can release game. I know they reuse a lot of mechanics and they reuse a lot of the, stuff but they still pack so much into these things and they release them on such a regular schedule it's absolutely astounding yeah it's kind of boggles the mind uh how they managed to cram all of the stuff in there and i mean like yeah there's there's obviously reused assets all over the place i mean the majority of the game takes place in ejinjo and it it looks just the same or you know maybe a little bit better than uh, it did in like a dragon although I don't know, you know, you may have found this weird. It's odd to me that the bottom right sliver of the map is inaccessible for Mm -hmm. no reason other than that, you know, they, I guess they don't, there's no content down there, but it's like, it's such a small portion of the map. Why did they just, you know, leave it open? I feel super weird that I can't go down to the, uh, to the say Ryu, not the Seiryu, the Seiryu clan. We have very similar names here. And it is a little strange because by cutting that off, it's like the pawn shop's still open uh, below the parking garage, but like 
you know, if you wanted to get around to Hello Work, you can't because there's a bunch of garbage trucks in the way. Yeah. The game can handle the entire map because like a dragon did. Yeah. And even if there's no content there, like, I don't know. It's just, it's awkward the way they they have some spaces blocked out off, uh, you know, perpetually. There's always perpetual, you know, garbage truck or, you know, road work or whatever. And it's just, it's, eh. it's a shame because the game does a really good job of helping you traverse Eugene show like it, it, this is the most random thing I swear in this game that doesn't really fit almost anything else in the game but you get you get a skateboard you get a skateboard to get around and you can you can you know you can grab it you can pop it out as you're running around uh, the streets although you can't ride it on sidewalks which gets a little frustrating sometimes a little bit um, so it's fun it's 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 a nice I mean like if you don't want to use the taxis to get around, which sometimes are annoying to have to find one or whatnot. The skateboard is a really fun way to traverse the game. So it's just, you know, it's interesting that they increased your ability to move around the map while also restricting where you could go a little bit. The skateboard was specifically designed for that map because you can still pull it out when you're in Camarocho, but you probably won't get very far because there's yeah. just way too many people. There's too many people. There's, there's like one or two streets where you can maybe get away with skateboarding in Camarocho. And the rest is like, don't even try. Well, you can try, but you'll you'll get knocked off from running into someone immediately. So I know what you mean, though, about the uh, the bottom section of the map being unavailable. They, they did that, too, with Yakuza 6, where the Champion District and... Uh, the area around uh, Camarocho Hills was unavailable, but I think that was because at the time it was under such a tight deadline. They literally didn't have time to rebuild those sections of the map because it was the first game with the Dragon Engine. And even then I was like, but I want to go there. Even though there was nothing to do there, it's just like, it's there. I know it's there. I've been there before. I want to visit my the place where I was before. And that's kind of how I feel when I'm just around Hello Work. I'm like, I know this area. I'm going to go down and visit my friend who runs the blacksmith's shop. And oh, I can't. Is sad. Nope. Yep. Nope. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm having a really good time with the school stuff. Uh, I find a lot of it to be insanely dark um, and it's bringing up quite a bit of childhood and teenage drama for me. Um, it's not quite the same because the motivations and the rationale and all of this about high school bullying in Japan are a little bit different. Um, but I relate to what the students are going through uh, hard. Uh, and despite that, I do wish that I had gone to this high school because they have clubs for everything. Like they have a supernatural, uh, they have a supernatural club that only investigates yes. the supernatural, and that's like, wow, that that school has a budget. Oh well, I guess it's a private high school, so it's it obviously must have a ton of money from somewhere. I mean, their the school itself is real. I mean, like their courtyard is super pretty, and you know their cafeteria is nice and huge, and like it's just they got they got the money. They've got the money. And I really, despite the fact that the lower section of the map is unavailable, I really like how they recontextualize the city from uh, the way it was in Like a Dragon. It's not just the fact that you're not wandering around getting in random uh, turn-based fights. It's also like getting around on a skateboard, certain locations being available versus others not being available. It's like you're seeing, well, I guess you literally are seeing, uh, seeing it through new eyes. And because of that, it almost feels like a very different play space to me. Well, still familiar, so you can go around all your favorite spots, but eh, it might not be there. You can't go to the movies, for example. Yeah, I I kind of missed that. I mean, I understand why, like, I don't know, <laughs> they didn't want to have Yagami do the same uh, mini game that uh, Ichiban does with the movies, but that, you know, yeah, it was kind of like for every place that you could go to, there were a few places. And like... 
you can go to survive and the bartender who you and I both know who the bartender is, um, is there, but you can't talk to him. And I was like, I'm, I was very sad that I couldn't talk to him. It's funny. That's something I found when I was playing uh, Yakuza 4 for the first time, because Yakuza 4 is the first one that introduces new protagonists uh, in Camarocho. And you're wandering around this city. And at that point, you have played through three games where you only were Kiryu in Camarocho. And all of a sudden, you're now seeing it through different eyes and like locations that you have been visiting constantly and are just feel like home are suddenly unavailable or unwelcome or your characters are like, why would I go there? I don't know anyone there. Um, and that's a little bit kind of how I felt about, uh, about lost judgment. It's like, you're seeing this city is new to you. So the locations that you knew in the other games, like why would you go to hello work? You have a job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. Although that, that, mm. That could be an interesting side content for a future judgment game where Yagami has to get a new job or, you know, has to get an in to various different places to infiltrate them. And he goes to hello work the way that Ichiban and crew did that. So, yeah. I feel like they're moving away from Kamurocho because Kamurocho is, well, it's limited in size. When they, when Kamurocho was created in Yakuza 1, they were limited by the size of the city in a PlayStation game. And obviously they've, they've kept it going and they've expanded it a little bit and they've they've added different areas to it but for the most part it's still the same size it was uh when the game was first released but now they have this much bigger uh play space that they can do a lot more with so i think that's one of the reasons why they're starting to shift over to uh different cities and i, I hope they introduce a new city in uh like a dragon 2 or yakuza 8 or judgment 3 whatever comes yeah it'd be it'd be nice to see new locales i mean that's half of the fun of a yakuza game really is uh even though they are fictionalized versions of these uh these towns or these 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 uh uh, uh sections of uh, uh, of larger cities um they're very faithfully recreated and it's it's a very fun form of like virtual tourism to to go around and see these places and then you can you can look up pictures and see how how detailed and how similar they got it mm-hmm. got it down um and i mean you know this judgment and launch judgment are the same way as the yakuza games you the the sense of place in these games as you're running around uh ijincho or kamurocho is super high like you 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 know you you feel that they the authenticity of that experience just in terms of the visuals and the sounds and the people milling about like is it's super there's you know it's a unique and special thing that's to this series whether it's yakuza or judgment it feels lived in it feels like a real place because it, it is yeah um, and so we should probably talk about a little bit about the combat. Yeah, if you want to talk about the combat. And I also wanted to ask you uh, about uh, some of the other new gameplay sections. But let's talk about the combat real quick. Yeah. Okay, so when the original Judgment came out, we didn't have Like a Dragon yet. Um, so Judgment had the same sort of beat-em-up combat as all of the other Yakuza games did. And then, of course, Like a Dragon came, and we we s- sort of saw that the, the plan going forward was for Like a Dragon to theoretically the Yakuza games, the mainline games, if you want to call them that, to switch to a turn-based RPG system, whereas the Judgment games can stay the sort of action beat-em-up brawler combat. Because Yagami doesn't have brain damage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yagami doesn't doesn't imagine all the bad guys as transforming into, you know, various like Dragon Quest characters and whatnot. Yeah, which means, unfortunately, you don't get to beat up Hungry Hungry Homeless, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I was really into Like a Dragon going into turn-based combat because I am not always the biggest fan of action combat, and I had certain frustrations with some of the earlier Yakuza games uh, with their action combat. So it surprised me to come to Lost Judgment and feel like I really enjoyed the return to the action uh, brawler style combat. It's really, really good. And I mean, I, I still have a bunch of the, um, the older Yakuza games to play, but even compared to uh, some of the more recent ones, Yakuza zero, and I've played Kiwami and Kiwami two is going to be on my list soon. Mm -hmm. The action combat in, in Lost Judgment is really, really good. It's super stylish as all get out. Like, you know, Yagami, Beats up bad guys, uh, you know, with the best of them. You know, he, the, the 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 antics he gets up to, you know, between different uh, ex moves, which are um, heat your you know your heat actions, basically, yeah. Um, and just some of the the uh, the throws and whatnot you can do in your combat styles is a lot of fun. It's all very fluid and feels responsive and fun to play as. All of your styles, you have an additional combat style now to round Yagami out to three. Yeah, we have Tiger, Crane, and now we also have Snake. Snake, yes. Yagami finally joins the big boys in having three main fighting styles, which was kind of, it was, that was a weird thing about judgment where he only had two. So now he's graduated to Kiryu level or at least early Kiryu level before mm. Kiryu got a fourth fighting style. So maybe Yagami will get, actually, I take that back. He will get a fourth fighting style. There's DLC coming, um, boxing, boxing. So he, he will be for, yeah. Anyway, um, Tiger and Crane have been touched up uh, and play really nicely. I actually found myself loving the heck out of Tiger, which I didn't really like Tiger in, in Judgment. I was a Crane girl. Mm -hmm. um, Tiger's a lot of fun here. But Snake is, in some respects, kind of my favorite of the three. Uh, it's originally, it's introduced as a way to deal with delinquent students so you can, you can, you can defend yourself and you can knock them out without being as, you know, like you're not going to beat them up. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to like punch them until they pass out. Maybe you'll do a flashy move that like gets them to freak out and pass out because out of fear instead of like actually knocking them out. It's an interesting style in that it involves a lot of redirection. You can uh, hit a, you can hit the uh, the block button at the right moment to mm -hmm. parry, and that opens up opportunities for ex moves or counterattacks. Well, it's interesting. It's pulling from a character in uh, Yakuza Four whose fighting style was also based around uh, dodging and redirecting. Um, except it feels way better than that. Yeah, um, and one of my favorite things about it is that you can you can block from any direction, which has been one of my bugbears for this series. Ever since I started playing them, I hate <laughs> the fact that you have to be facing an opponent to block them. It's stupid. Um, so Snake is really good for that. I, I really enjoy it. I like it for bosses, actually. Yeah, it's really handy for bosses. It's really, I mean, like, it, it gets introduced as being a way to deal with students, but it's really helpful for pretty much every combat situation. So don't don't feel like you only should be using Snake when you're fighting delinquents. You, you, should, you should use Snake all the time. Yeah, and I mean, I use Snake all the time. And you have to remember that this game, it's an RPG. Uh, it, it's not using turn-based battles, but it's still an RPG. So when you uh, beat enemies or you do side content, you get SP or experience points. Uh, and then you can put those experience points into learning new skills. So if, for example, Snake isn't your cup of tea off the top when you first get it, you can spend uh, 
experience points to get new skills. And those new skills uh, greatly expand the utilities of these uh, various fighting styles. And if you don't like Snake at first, you might really like it by the end of the game. Yeah, there's a lot of potential um, with the SP and the abilities. Uh, lots of little uh, additional things you can unlock. Like, for instance, uh, Crane, you can, you can, there's a jump move that you can do in Crane. And if you buy the right abilities, you can jump and then do a counterattack. Um, all of the combat styles have a, a a boost in some form when you do something like crane. You can you can your attack speed goes up if you successfully dodge. Uh, tiger, you, your attack power goes up when you do a, a charge uh, power up move. So stuff like that can can be thrown in, and you can use that to your advantage. But against both the uh, everyday mooks on the street and also the boss fights, um, which in true fashion are, you know, they are, they can be, depending on your difficulty setting, they can be quite challenging. Um, and there's some, there's some good bosses to be had uh, in this game. But of course, it's not all about fighting because we've talked about, you know, the side content and whatnot. And there are uh, other things that you can get up to. Uh, you can completely avoid combat if you want by just like either running away or that the enemies tend to not notice you when you're on your skateboard. Um, you can also completely get rid of enemy encounters if you have a certain uh, furry buddy accompanying you. A furry buddy? A furry buddy. This is like... A, a, <laughs> I was super stoked when they revealed uh, this game, but then they showed a clip of Yagami walking a dog, and not just any dog, a Shiba Inu. Um, and then they revealed that the, the the Shiba Inu is a detective dog who like sniffs out mysteries and helps you find things. And he's the best boy ever. And I love him. I've only done a few things with him, but he's already, uh, he's already supplanted Scooby-Doo as the best detective dog. Yes, definitely. He's so cute. Um, you also, he's not the only thing you get. He's technically a gadget in the sense that you pull him, you, you, you summon him by going into your phone and selecting from your various different detective gadgets. But you also have other gadgets. You have, um, you have a listening device. You have a, uh, uh, a receiver thingy that lets you uh, locate uh, signals and, and pinpoint them. And these get used in various different places in the main story and the side content when you're out in the world uh, as part of your investigations. There's there's a whole uh, uh, thing you can do where you find these images of squirrels around uh, Ijincho and Kamurocho and you have to use your different detective tools depending on what they're doing to find goodies around uh, the city. Um, so you've got a little bit of an increased arsenal um, to do your investigations. Um, the detective activities from the first game um, are all back. Everyone's favorite, tailing. Everyone's favorite. Um, they've all been tweaked a little bit to make them a little bit less annoying. So for instance, tailing, you can now push the triangle button. If you're nowhere near cover, you're out in the open and Yagami will like, oh, he'll like pretend to take a selfie or he'll like, lean over and tie his shoelaces or whatnot. Um, so it's, it kind of deals with that frustration of, I have to find this specific part of the, uh, of the world that the games allows me to take cover in order to avoid being seen. 
Um, the chase sequences now are basically uh, a, um, a a chase of attrition, if you will, where mm. you and your enemy have HP and you lose HP as you as you get more and more tired from the chase, and whoever you know runs out of HP first loses and things like that. Um, and there are two new activities: there's stealth and there's parkour, uh, which are nice in the sense that i guess it's nice that they added that as a thing but just like that the existing the returning uh detective activities they're really shallow and the parkour in particular is it's fine but it just doesn't feel very good because of how uh stiff it is it's very scripted you can only go in certain places yeah you're not gonna go mirror's edge here you are yeah and it's just kind of like compared to the really fluid and fun combat, it just feels really awkward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and stealth feels just like a half baked low rent hitman game. It's super. I mean, yeah, like right down to the right, right down to the throwing of coins to uh, distract guards. Which I I initially you know in the trailers was like, oh cool, but then I found out that you can only throw things in set locations. You have no free control over where to throw things, and you only have two items that you can use to distract bad guys so yeah. it it's very stealth light um you haven't gotten here yet but i will say they do eventually introduce uh spotlights oh at the almost at the end of the game it's like the at very 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 close to the end of the game and it's only in one sequence so they do eventually give you a little bit more but it's just yeah it's it's just like you know the ta- the, the stuff from the first game was okay i guess we're a detective so we have to tail people and we have to take pictures for evidence and whatnot but it it just like those activities it's not really executed well it's not central core gameplay it's it's just kind of like side like okay we're going into this one section where we can do this one thing yeah so um i will say the balance the overall balance in terms of the frequency with which you get these activities is a lot better Mm. i only had to tail someone for the main story once and that was the tutorial at the beginning of the game i don't remember another tailing sequence that was part of main story i've only had i've had less than a handful of tailing sequences total Hmm. although i haven't finished all of the school stories or side content but it's much better balance there are a lot of investigation um sequences where you go into first person and you have to look around and uh you know find all the different points of interest um, that happens a lot, and that is that is. I mean, I, I I don't find that super offensive. If that really annoys you, there's there's a ton of it, and it can be a little stupid in the sense of they force you to do that instead of just like having a cutscene or mm. whatever. Um, but they they thankfully they give you the option to ask for a hint. So if you're not sure where the game, what what small little part of the environment the game wants you to focus on before you have finished your investigation. Uh, you can get a hint where Yagami will kind of tell you what you should be looking at. Yeah, the only one that actually actively drove me crazy was trying to find all the cameras on the stupid train platform. I've missed yeah. one and I couldn't find it. And it was driving me nuts. Yeah, that was that was weird. There's 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 a side case too where I took like an extra half an hour trying to find the specific thing mm-hmm. that I I was missing one little piece in in an office that I had to look at before it told me i was finished the with fridge my investigation the fridge because i just finished a side quest where it was there was a 
There's a uh, an invisible burglar. Yes. It was not the fridge. Okay, it I got was I got stuck on the fridge. I couldn't find the fridge. I got stuck on the empty bag of uh, snacks. Okay. I didn't see that or parse that for the longest time because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. So the game, it's I I absolutely love it. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you about the game, which is this is a difference in the way that we play Yakuza games. Uh you play in English, I play in Japanese. Uh, tell me, what do you think of the English, uh, the English acting, the English audio? Oh well, I think the English uh, audio is great, um, but I, you know, I fell in love with the the English cast with the original Judgment. Um, Greg Chun is super amazing. He's a really cool, fun guy. If you ever watch his, uh, he streams a lot on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lot of fun, and you know, he does a great job as Yagami in both games. Um, the returning cast. Is all really good. Uh, salary is uh, has been replaced uh, due to I think they had logistical issues, um, but I actually really like uh, the uh, the person they got to replace her, uh, Stephanie Shea. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really good. I mean, it's different. If you if you played the original Judgment right before this, you'll notice it, but it immediately I think you know becomes natural and just feels normal. Yeah. And the there's you know great voice acting with the the new characters. Um, you will notice that during the um, the full motion uh, cutscenes, the ones that you know they they did uh, motion capture for and whatnot, um, it's, it's not all the time, but often enough, the lip syncing is a little off, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's just kind of the price we pay for getting the game, um, uh, you know, worldwide release. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm completely fine with that sacrifice if it means not having to wait six months to wait or whatever yeah. uh for the game and it's only those uh, cutscenes. the um the in in engine or the in-game cutscenes all use basically a, a, a you know the a, a computer uh programmatic um uh lip syncing so that's that's all you know nor looks fine so yeah i uh maybe it's just because i, I started with the yakuza series whenever i played these games and like and uh, like a dragon as well i've tried the english audio and it just doesn't feel right to me but there's nothing wrong with the english audio in fact the english audio is absolutely exceptional in judgment like a dragon and here i think that perhaps the localization team took the the audio from the original Yakuza, the infamously bad one to heart. And they've really put a lot of effort into making these uh, just exceptional levels of quality in terms of acting. And it's great. I turned it on for a little while because I wanted to experience it. And it just wasn't, I wasn't connecting to it in the same way. And I think that's just because it's not what I'm used to. And obviously the same would be for you. If you turned on the Japanese audio, you'd probably think, wow, this is great. It's not, it's, it's not quite, it's not connecting to me the right way. And you'd switch back to the English and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way we play the games. And it's nice to have two completely separate options that in my mind are equally good. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, I highly recommend this game. Uh, if you've not played the original, I highly recommend that you play judgment first and then highly recommend this game as Caitlin said. Um, and, do you think there is room? I mean, I know there are a lot of problems right now uh, involving contractual disputes, but do you think there's room for a Judgment 3 in the future, story-wise and character-wise? Oh, absolutely. There is totally. There's nothing that happens in this game that feels like it's the ending of the characters or this this sort of, you know, second series that we have here, second mainline series, I would argue. Mm-hmm. So I very much hope that uh, 
that Sega and uh, and Ryugaku uh, the, the, Toku Studio can can work out uh, uh, these issues with. Um, so for people who aren't aware, there's there's issues with the um, uh, the talent agency that represents the uh, the actor who plays uh, Yagami, uh, who do, who is the the face of Yagami and also his voice in Japanese. There are issues that they haven't been able to resolve with regards to what platforms the games appear on. And as it stands, if they don't get resolved, the future of the series, of this Judgment series, is 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 in doubt. I am not going to say outright we're never going to get another game because there's obviously tons of time for them to negotiate and work things out. And it could just be that. It could just be a negotiating tactic. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, get all doom and gloom until Sega or RGG say outright there's no more judgment. And I, I really, really hope that they uh, work it out and that we get another game because I mean, I as as excited as I was for this game once you know it was revealed, once it was announced, I was immediately ready for another one for a third one once i finish mm-hmm. this game like this this is how you know you've got a good game in your hands when you are enjoying the crap out of it and all you want to do is play this game but you were also sort of simultaneously dreading getting to the end of it because you don't want it to be over yeah. you don't want the story to be done you, you know and in this day and age where you know my time for playing games is dwindled it's like you know i want to replay the game but i also don't know that i have the time to to replay a huge game like this but if there was a third game you bet your butt i would be sorry you bet your ass i can say ass you can say ass you bet your ass i would be playing that immediately so let's all you know like put our hands together and 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 well or whatever you know raise our voices in support of this of the series and hope that we get more if for no other reason than that well the game the series deserves it but also you know obviously rtg wanted to have both turn-based and action combat games going forward and if we can't have judgment then you know i don't know what they're gonna do so i think a rhythm-based yakuza spinoff would be amazing personally But hey. I did like, okay, I did like that mini game, even though it's one of the most ridiculous things you will ever see is Yagami in his tight jeans and his t-shirt and his leather jacket, you know, popping and locking uh, alongside a bunch of high schoolers. Like, I don't know how, like, you can, you can you imagine him, like, them recording this and then playing it back for Yagami? I don't think that he would be able to live it down if the other guys, you know, in the agency if Kaito and Sugiura saw that, it would be like, <laughs> no. Uh, or they might be impressed. I certainly was. Um, Nikki, out of curiosity, you have never played a Yakuza game before, have you? No, I have not. Has anything that's been said, I, I talk about these things. I promote Yakuza games like Caitlin promotes, well, Yakuza games and Final Fantasy XIV. Um, would you have any interest in playing one of these games? You said there was a detective doggy. He can be best friends with Inspector Toby from the Great Ace Attorney. Yes. Yay. Yes, you are 100% right. Woohoo. Um, I think that you would actually very much enjoy these games. I don't know if you like beat-em-ups or not. I know that you probably would very much enjoy the turn-based combat in Like a Dragon. I want to play them. I just don't have the necessary uh tools to play them yes unfortunately they are limited by their platform 
at the moment. Although they are becoming available on more, I don't know if we'll ever see them on the Switch. That being said, I can't think of a reason why some of the earlier titles would not be playable on Switch, but that's another side story as of itself. Um, but let's let's move on now from uh, from crime from crime and uh, crime fiction in the darkest underbellies of uh, Japan to something that's a little bit uh, a little bit more, I guess sincere you use in your review uh we're going to be talking about olympia soiree so this is a uh visual novel that is that you've reviewed a couple of days ago and you very much enjoyed it you gave it a 93 and why don't you tell us a little bit about it well it's uh it's an otome game so you play as olympia uh, a young woman it's her 18th birthday and uh, there's so much lore in this game that I don't know where to start. Let me let me think about this for a second, <laughs> because this game, this is a this is a game with lore. And that's like lore with a capital L lore. And wow, Data's brother levels of lore. Yeah, this is a this is a wild ride. So um, you're on this island and the sun doesn't always stay in the sky. So there's a there. Okay. See, now I'm getting confused because there's so much lore. Where do I start? Okay. Island, a color class system. You could be born red or green or blue or whatever, but there are, uh, there's a certain group, uh, the white, all women live on a tiny Island, just, a, a you know, few yards, not yards, but you know, a little bit away from this other Island. These women pray to the sun to keep it in the sky uh, like 15 or so years ago, um, something happened that all of the white women, um, uh, were killed except for one. And that's Olympia. And that's who you play as. And she's taken in on the bigger Island where everyone is kind of separated by their colors. We're talking colors as in like color of clothing. We're not talking colors as in uh, race, are we? Color of hair and eyes. Okay. Yeah, see, this is this is the deep stuff, man. Like everything is everywhere. So I'm all over the place. Okay, I was wondering I was wondering just how deep the race the racism allegory went. Yeah, see, it's very interesting because it's like it's like partially a racism allegory, but it's also partially like a classism allegory because they're all kind because there's like there's the ability to like change your color at one point that gets touched upon. It's wild. This is a wild game, but it's so good. It sounds like it is an amazing story. It's amazing. It really is. But the, the, the basis, like the inciting incident is that like, it's your 18th birthday and you have to get married and have a kid because you're the last, uh, woman of the white remaining. And, only the women of the white, when they pray, can keep the sun in the sky. And the sun's been disappearing, which is pretty bad, I think. How 2020. Say that again? I said how 2020. Actually, well, it really is because there's uh, lots of stuff about uh, illnesses and it's wild. This is a game. But yeah, you, the government's like, you have to find a husband in a year because women of the white always have uh they always give birth to other women of the white um whereas other people if they're like you know a red and a green have a kid maybe their kid will be red maybe they'll be green or maybe they'll be something else who knows but anyways lore um you have to find a husband wow but here's the big thing 
uh-oh, as you guessed, because there's, like the racism allegory, there's injustice. And you're like, oh, snap. I've been uh, holed up in my manor for the past, like, 15 years because they're trying to keep me safe so I don't die. Because if I die, the sun's going to go away. But now I see, like, that there's a lot of bad stuff because of racism. And I'm going to try to do something about that. And it's really good. Okay, let me ask you a question because- uh, Please this... ask me questions. I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is all, the lore is too advanced for me. I don't know where to take it. It sounds like there's a lot. Um, I'm going to go to something a little bit more basic, which is uh, this genre is a massive blind spot for me, which is uh, Otome. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever played it. And I've played a lot of visual novels. But uh, I have never played a, let me look at the definition I found online. I don't think I've ever played a game for female audiences, as it is apparently translated to. Um, yeah. Can you explain this to me a little bit? Because this is something that I hate not knowing stuff like this, and I would love to be, I'd love to learn. Yeah. So this genre basically is, at its most basic, you play as a female character, and there are any number of male love interests that you can pursue in that visual novel format where it's like, oh, you know, I make some choices. Now, all of a sudden, I'm spending a lot of time with this one dude, and uh, that's going to determine how the story goes based off of, like, who you end up buddy-buddy with. So very much a choose-your-own-adventure time. It's a visual novel, yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's entirely based around dating? Well, yes, and I mean, there's usually a story, like an overarching story, and you go down different routes depending on which of your suitors you pick. Mm. And it is it is essentially a romance, but it's like a lot of them try to try to make more, or should I say, more and more Otome games, I'm trying to make it so that the both the the heroine and the story that she's in, engaged in are not simply just about pick your husband or you know whatever. Um, although I guess with the premise of this game being literally <laughs> pick, pick your, your husband, husband. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. A lot of people have pointed that out, especially the Otome games that tend to get released in English. They, they have this, like, I guess, uh, underlying plot. And a lot of people were kind of surprised that Olympia Soiree got chosen to be localized at all because it is very much, oh, yeah, you need to find a husband. Mm. But there's a lot here besides just finding a husband. But also, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't get it. But I feel like there's always going to be something more going on. Well, this company, uh, Axis Games Localization, it seems like they're a publisher that's been focusing on uh, localizing many of these games over the last few years, including like Code Realize, uh, yeah. Cafe Enchanté. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you mentioned at the top that they had a couple of misses, or I love how you, tremendous typographical troubles. Yeah. Oh, boy. And it sounds like they have found their footing again with this yes. one. Yes. Bless. Thank goodness. Oh, my God. The last one of theirs that I reviewed, Pio Fiore, mm -hmm. I would have given that editor's choice if it wasn't for the typos. Mm. It was 
so painful. When your game is almost entirely text, you really got to nail that part of it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I can I can be okay with like one or two. These things have so many words. Like it's okay like one once or twice, but no, like these were pretty bad. These were like they had a few titles that like the text was trying to escape the text box and go oh, into no. another dimension, oh. like leaving, right? And I'm like, see ya. <laughs> The text was like, my people need me. Yeah, I'm going to go back to my home planet, you know. Um, they're so good, but it's hard to enjoy them when uh, when you can't read them. Yeah, I can imagine. But no, this game was so good. I, I don't remember. I'm sure there was maybe one typo or something, but like... There was nothing. I, I It was so great. I'm like, yes, I can enjoy this game for what it is. Woohoo! So they learned their lesson. I mean, the game looks, uh, as far as I can understand, most visual novels are usually pretty static in terms of their visuals. Uh, usually, uh, really, they rely on really, really solid character and background design uh, with minimal animations. Uh, what does this game look like? I know that you mentioned that secondary characters don't have any character sprites at all, which seems like a really weird choice. There are a few um, who don't. Well, there are a lot who don't, which I would have been okay with because it feels like, for the most part, they use that to kind of indicate just how many people are negatively affected by the prejudices and like legal problems that have come from the bigotry of this island system mm -hmm. but there are a few who reappear in multiple routes that make them seem more important and i want to be able to see what they look like because the rest of the game is really beautiful so like can you blame me <laughs> but yeah like the characters have really nice like blinking animations and um lip syncing it's not like lip syncing where the lips will actually like sync to the sounds that they're making but like their mouth will move when there's when their text is going on the screen and their mouth will stop when there's a pause or when the text stops scrolling on the screen and it's really nice it's actually really important it's the kind of thing your brain registers as just a nice clean form of communication rather than, oh, that was awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. Um, the animations are really smooth. They have a lot of different poses. Um, that helps a lot to kind of indicate, you know, more body language. Because some some of these games, they'll have only like one or two like poses and then a lot of facial expressions. But this game has a lot of poses. Um Really nice stuff. Can I ask a question just about Otome games? I'm curious what the difference is between Otome games and just a a, a dating sim, just like a, a classic dating sim. Is it, is it basically the same thing or is it? I think it's just um like a, how, how do I say this? Like a stereotype. Okay. Galge is the dating sim where you're playing as a boy and dating women. Okay. But nobody calls them Galge unless they're really, really like into the genre most people think of dating sim as like a boy dating girls, but in reality, that's the umbrella term where galge is where you're dating girls and otome is where you're dating boys. Are these terms realist just really used for Japanese games? Because it's I swear I'm not I'm not going after this genre. I'm just very curious. Oh, not uh, at it all. It seems tremendously heteronormative. It is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just like oh she. 
like it, it obviously really, she's it looking really for a husband. Is um, she's not looking for a partner? She's looking for a husband. There are very few otome games that are starting to add in like female love interests as well. But for the most part, these this is uh, unfortunately a very heteronormative like uh, distinction between these genres. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not like straight people are a thing so it turns it, like it doesn't bother me that you know she's looking for a husband and she doesn't seem to have any attraction to uh any other uh genders but it seems to me that whenever i see otome i always see it in reference to girl bunch of boys dating sim yeah they tend to be very particular about that like um you know it's it's usually very very specific so you might have a game where it's a male player character dating guys, but that would be like separate uh, or like a female player character dating women, but that would still be separate, right? Okay, so like, for example, I'm, I'm sorry, my my knowledge of these games tends to be fairly limited, but like Lady Killer in a Bind would not be considered an Atome. I feel like it, it could be only because like even in Japan, we're starting to see that kind of, it's still very, very rare, but there are like a few games where you will have male and female love interests. Okay. But that's the thing. It's very, honestly, it's kind of difficult to define Otome for that reason, because when the genre itself came about from uh, like Angelique was like the first one and it was, you know, um, more stat raising than visual novel, but it was made by an all women development team and you had the female protagonist and the male love interests. So it was really focused on like who the target audience was and who made it. Hmm. But now as we're kind of pushing away from that and like what the target audience could want in terms of their love interests, the genre is naturally expanding. Okay. So yeah, like it's, uh, there's, there are levels to it, you know, but you're not wrong in pointing out that it tends to be very heteronormative. That is, that is the truth. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're looking for a husband because you mm -hmm. gotta, you're looking for a husband because you need a baby. Right. Okay. Well, let's get back. Let's shift back away from the, uh, away from the genre and just talk about, well, this specific example of the genre, because you absolutely adore it. Um, it wow, does, yeah. it does have a massive amount of lore. Uh, as you've mm -hmm. said, it does have uh, a lot of, uh, I guess it's a allegory for a lot of racism. Um, can you tell me, like, how many, can you, you, obviously, you can pick anyone you want. How many endings are there, and uh, how does the game progress like that? How many endings there are? I mean, I'm assuming you can show up, you can end up with pretty much anyone you want. There's uh, the primary cast, right? The main cast. There is Akaza, Riku, the, the green guy. I don't remember their names. I played this like uh, last month. I apologize. It's totally fine. The green guy is a perfectly acceptable name to me. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him a lot more. Okay. I, I really like all of them. I just can't remember. Tokisada is his name. Okay. There's him. He's the green guy. Um... Kuroba. <laughs> the problem um, is I'm not going to remember Tokisada. You might as well just okay. keep referring to him as the green guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, red, blue, um, green, black, purple, and then Himuka. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about him. Uh, and then... Not even, not even slightly worried about him. Is fine. Um, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Six. That sounds about right. So it sounds like there's a lot of replay value there. Yeah. 
they have at l- I don't remember if there's one with only one bad ending, but for the most part, they have two bad endings each and then one good ending. And then if you can get all of their endings, you get extra like side episodes and little like diary entries to give you even more lore because you need more lore. It sounds like there is a lot of it in this game. It's so I was not expecting this. And here we are. I mean, the impressive thing about the amount of lore is that's not just I mean, that's a lot of localization. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think they did a very good job with that. Okay. Because it's very based off of like Japanese creation myth, but Mm -hmm. it's still, uh, there are some times where it's kind of like what's happening just because there's like a lot of lore, but like, uh, you, you still get it. You still know what's happening. Okay. Which is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this is not a, this is not a genre I know anything about possibly, I mean, it, it's just not something I've been exposed to, a game for the female audience. Is that the literal translation of Otome? Otome means Otome. Uh, like a young maiden. So like a young maiden, and it is a game for the female audience, but it is not necessarily for female audience. It's if you want a really, really, really good story with some interesting characters, this would be perfect to pick up. I agree. Yeah, that's kind of the big thing, right? Is like... Well, it's it's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people refer to Yakuza as a game for the male audience. And I know a lot of people who would disagree with that. My male fantasy. And then the the video, the video with the guy with the eye patch. I feel like there are a lot of series that strike me as being more for a male audience than, than Yakuza. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that it's it's interesting to me, the labels that are put on certain games. I guess I don't know if these labels would be put on these games in uh, Western society, but it seems like they are in... Uh, Japan. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you go to like stores in Japan and stuff, you know, they're pretty separated like that. Like there will be sections for merchandise that's like for girls and then merchandise for guys. And it's like it's like the shonen shoujo kind of split, right? Yeah, lots of women like shonen stuff, but by all technicality, if it is shonen, if it is published in Shonen Jump, it's technically targeting a male demographic no matter how much women may like it sometimes they actually have to like change publications because of those audience shifts i think i don't know if it actually changed publication but like i think one of the biggest uh, examples of that is haikyu the volleyball anime which has like basically almost exclusively a, a female audience but it was meant to target a male demographic because it was shonen right Mm. like they that's just how they do it i don't think it's right but that they are very like compartmentalized with how they genreify their things the reason why i asked is because uh, a couple of months ago uh gc uh posted a video on uh his youtube channel called yakuza is for men which was an examination of how women are treated in the Yakuza games and how female characters are treated in these games in general and how the developers specifically are targeting a young male audience and presenting and uh, presenting a, uh, a story of positive masculinity and positive mm-hmm. male relationships while at the same time sidelining their otherwise very, very strong female characters. And I, I don't know, just the, a game for the female audience. It just seemed interesting pairing to me that many people consider Yakuza to be a game for the male audience, but the reality is it's not. It's games are for everyone. 
Uh, at least that's kind of where I'm coming from. I think there's a distinction between a game for the male audience and just games in general, because there's kind of a default uh, audience or, or perception that a lot of games, even games that aren't specifically designed for you know a specific gender audience, um, you can have games that you know legitimately the developer is not intending it to be a game just for guys or for girls, but because of the society we live in, mm. a lot of that, um, you know, male centric or male gaze or whatever seeps into it. And I mean, yeah, I, Yakuza is like, there's definitely issues with female representation in the series. I'm not gonna, you know, deny that, but I, I, it's, it's like, mm, I, I, you know, I'm a girl and I like this, these games. I don't necessarily feel when I'm playing the Yakuza games or Judgment games that I'm playing in games that are like meant for the whole stereotype of, you know, manly strong men and, you know, we're let's go beat up all these bad guys with our fists because that's what men do, you know, that sort of real kind of machoism that you might think about. And I mean, I'm not sure where I'm going with this beyond to say that I think that Yakuza's issues are indicative of a lot of issues that games in general have. The yeah. whole industry in general still has a lot of problems with representation of women and men. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, like, I, sorry, a tangent, but I think one of the bravest things that they did in Like a Dragon is in the, like, penultimate scene at the end of the game. I'm not going to explain it, but... Ichiban is crying. He is crying and he is emotional. And I thought that was so smart of them to have their male character openly expressing emotion and openly crying and openly, you know, using emotion to try and convince, you know, who is trying to convince in that scene. Because that's, you know, that's that's a thing that, you know, a stereotype that works against men. We, we, we focus so much about, you know, sexualization of women in video games, but there's a lot of toxic masculinity that gets presented in video games too that, that works on men. I 100% agree. And I think that much of the Yakuza series, uh, for example, in Yakuza 3, there is a scene that is very, very similar to that where, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but like Kiryu is full out crying, like full out losing his mind. Um, unashamedly, like no embarrassment, no like getting up and like wiping the tears out of his eyes. He is fully uh, in. He's he's fully crying, and I think that's something that the Yakuza series does that's extraordinarily positive, which is present masculinity in a way that is not toxic. I mean, it obviously presents masculine toxic masculinity as well, but it's it's in a uh, it's in a, usually that's in a negative light. I'm gonna post the link to this video in the in the notes. GC did a really, really good job of it, I think. And he pissed off a lot of people in the comments, but the people in the comments who are pissed off are people I don't generally agree with anyway. Well, sorry, we got off track there. It was just the game for female audience, game for male audience parallel between these two games that really uh, struck me. Nikki, I'm really I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed this. I is there is there anything else you'd like to say about it? I mean, I know that you mentioned the music. Oh man, yeah. Um Otome games tend to have good music, but like I find that they have maybe like one or two tracks that are like memorable, but then it's kind of like, well, but they're not like the best. But I I really enjoyed every track in this game. I almost was a little sad because um Axis Games is offering now 
if you pre-order these games, obviously it's too late for Olympia Soiree, but they have a few upcoming games that if you pre-order off of their website, sorry to uh, always be plugging for these people, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, they have, if you pre-order their games, you can add on the OST uh, CDs for like 10 bucks or something. And I'm like, Ooh, sell that separately. I want that. I want the I want the OST for this game. It's really good. And also, please plug away. I mean, that's one of the advantages of coming on the podcast is you do get to advocate for developers uh, that you believe in. Yeah, guys, come on, let's do it. I mean, I I'm I'm very I will say it because honestly, bless Axis Games. I can't imagine how difficult it is to go through like that QA for like these big you know, just all like so many words, games, but they did it. I'm so, so pleased that they landed it, right? This game is so, it's not only the story is great, but the writing itself is just well done. It's nice. It's good to read. Like I said, like basically no errors whatsoever. And that's really making me even more hype for their upcoming stuff because like a few months ago they confirmed that they're getting the the fan disc for Piofiore, which like I said earlier, I would have given that an editor's choice if it wasn't for all those errors. And I was a little worried like if they were gonna get the fan disc at all. And if they did, is it gonna be legible? But I have complete faith in them again because of how amazing they did on Olympia Soiree. I'm so glad that they've, you know, that they're right back on track. I'm looking forward to everything they have uh, from here on out. I don't have any worries about that. That's wonderful. Um, And I'm glad that they seem to be doing well because these, I mean, there was a time and I mean, there's still, it's still that time where a tremendous number of releases just don't get released here because the amount of resources that it would take to localize them is just not available to smaller developers. So the fact that they're bringing over these games is fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, thank you both for talking about those two games. Uh, The review links will be in the description. Uh, Let's let's take a quick little trip over. Uh, Right now, uh, the the Tokyo Game Show is on. Unfortunately, we are recording just prior uh, to the big announcements. But I did want to mention some of the big announcements that came out of the Nintendo Direct a few days ago. I was at the cottage when this happened, and I specifically bought a gigabyte extra data so I could stream it. Uh, because it's a Nintendo Direct, and Nintendo Directs are—it's it, Christmas. It's uh, not—it's not, it's not Christmas. It's getting—it's getting the—it's getting, the, getting the Sears catalog before Christmas, and going through and seeing all the toys that you can pick out for Christmas. Uh, I don't know if that's a universal thing or if that's something that I just did, but it was always my favorite part was getting the Sears catalog in the mail and going through it. I vaguely remember doing something like that, but I don't—it was not a tradition. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Well, anyway, let's talk about some of the some of the big RPG uh, announcements that came out of it. So Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is going to be the expansion to Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, I, I know that Solosi was losing his mind when this was announced. Uh, Monster Hunter is not a series that I am into, but we did get a little bit extra information this morning uh, from early reports of Tokyo Game Show. So this is going to be a late game expansion, uh, meaning that you can't just jump in from the start. You need to be, you know, you need to play through it. Um so it's the kind of thing that if you've already played through all of Monster Hunter Rise and you're desperate for more, this is going to hit you right where you live. It's not, you're not going to have to start from the beginning. You can pick up right where you left off. 
Um, and some other big news that came out today is Monster Hunter Rise is going to be releasing on the PC in January. Uh, so it's not just going to be available on Switch anymore. So it's going to be available to a wider audience, which is very nice. Uh, have either of you played any Monster Hunter? I played the demo for World. Okay. That's it. I was talking with uh, with Solosi about this this morning. I, I believe the only one I played was four, and I didn't get very far because it's very difficult. <laughs> so none of us have played. Okay, moving on. Great. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about something that uh, I suspect that most of us, that the three of us are probably more excited about, which is triangle strategy. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. If you put two triangles like overlapping, you'll make a hexagon so i do like <laughs> triangles yes uh i think the stupidity of this name is going to gradually uh, seem less stupid as time goes on because i remember when project octopath traveler was uh, announced and everyone was like that is the stupidest name for a video game ever and now you say octopath traveler and it just sounds completely normal i think it's kind of going to happen with triangle strategy too realistic i've said this before on our discord if you were expecting anything else after octopath traveler i don't know what to tell you yeah it just means that instead of eight paths we have three now right that's what this it's means. it's a strategy game yeah i have to admit i am a little bit less hyped about this than i was octopath and i mean i i, I get that it's still under development but to me it kind of just looks like a much more polished playstation game rather than uh like octopath traveler looked like a super nintendo game in hd to me that it just it looked like nothing else whereas this looks a lot like well, tactics, frankly, it looks like a much more polished, clean version of tactics, which is exciting. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't quite have the same visual flair that I feel like Octopath had when we first saw it. Uh, that being said, if you're a fan of tactics and you're a fan of SRPGs, this is going to be something that you are desperate for, uh, or either if you just can't wait until this thing comes out. I'm happy to see that they uh, like all the changes they made based off of the demo feedback, because wow, um, there was a legibility issue and that's that looks like it's all gone. I'm very happy about that. I'm not necessarily like, give me the game right this second. And I think that's because I have other games on my plate as it is. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I am looking forward to it because I see that they've been making these changes. What they didn't do to change the title, they did to actually change the game itself. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I'm curious if they fix the colorblind issue with it that were reported when uh, the demo was released. Just based off of like the the video footage, it looks at least a step in the right direction. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I really I really do hope so. That was that was my biggest problem with uh because even though I'm not colorblind, but it was still hard to like tell where I was moving my guys. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it that's not good. <laughs> but it looks so much better now. They did. I mean, they did the same thing with Octopath Traveler, which was they they really do seem to listen to feedback. The demo isn't just like we like to listen to our fans. They actually listen to the fans. That's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm on the fence about it. To be honest, um, I. <sighs> I'm concerned that it's going to be like Octopath in that it's going to ha Octopath stories. Um, honestly, I got bored of the game and never finished it. Um, and part of that is simply because having, you know, eight different, you know, smaller stories didn't really grab me. And especially with no care, with no crossover between the characters in those stories. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're cute little stories, but they all felt, small because of how compartmentalized they were within each other that 
it does not seem like that's necessarily going to be the case with triangle strategy because we have a lot of uh, we have factions and you obviously can make choices that uh, will impact the story. But I guess my concern is that we're going to have that, uh, something similar to Octopath Traveler where it's going to be a good enough story, but I'm worried it won't be this sort of deep uh, political, you know, machination kind of, you know, thing that I would want, you know, from like, you know, if we ever had like a, a true Final Fantasy Tactics sequel or whatever, something like that. And, you know, part of that's just tactics in particular is such a, you know, um, standout game for me and for a lot of people it's going to be it's it's impossible to not compare this to that and maybe you know we're setting ourselves up for a disappointment maybe i maybe i need to step back but i mean i the story they presented in the demo which is out of context we don't know how that's going to play into the the main game if it's even going to be you know part of the main game or if it was like a separate thing or whatever it, it's it, it obviously starts in the middle of something and we don't mm-hmm. really have the full backstory i wasn't super wowed by it um i wasn't super feeling it uh i'm not feeling the main character at all um but we'll see i mean like i think the most interesting thing that this game could do is with the um the choices that you can make even if i don't really the whole scales thing feels really weird to me that you could potentially have all of your party members having different opinions and you have to sway their opinions to what you the player want Mm -hmm. um it's interesting it's weird i don't know if i'm gonna like how that plays out yeah but there's the potential for like branching stories that could be really cool and I mean, certainly, you know, it's it looks like it could really scratch that whole, you know, you want a strategy RPG uh, itch. So I'm gonna wait, I think, and see about reviews and maybe watch some some uh, some gameplay before. It's it's not necessarily a day one purchase for me as of yet. I am on the exact same page. Cautious cautious optimism. Um, I agree with you about all of your criticisms of Octopath Traveler. I mean, Octopath Traveler looked like I imagine Final Fantasy VII would have looked if they had continued down the line of pixel animation and like, but obviously it took another turn. Actually, it ended up being more like a saga game, but that's another story. Um, ooh, we we're running a little long. I'm gonna I'm gonna race through the rest of these. Uh, Deltarune chapters two and three seems like a very good time to start Undertale. I think I might just do that. How about either of you? Maybe. Maybe. None of us have played Undertale? I have so many games. I've never played Undertale. Mm, played Undertale too. It's 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 just like one of the apparently one of the greatest games ever made and I haven't played it and I feel bad about it, but maybe I should start. That's how I feel about a lot of games. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can only feel guilty so much about awesome games, classic games that I have not played and and you know, I'm a horrible person for not playing and Well, I mean, we you're the the burden of your guilt over final fantasy 6 and chrono trigger it must be you just carry a wheelbarrow around with all of your guilt all the time yeah i feel much worse about those two than i feel about undertale so Mm -hmm. in terms of my priority for rectifying any of those omissions it's gonna be one of those two before it's undertale understandably castlevania advanced collection i am super excited about this because i have very fond memories of playing those three games i was working at canada's wonderland Uh, doing their Halloween show. And I would just sit down and I would play it on my DS and I would play through and then I would go out on stage and I'd be a vampire singing Ludo songs. And then I would come back and I'd play some more for another hour. And then I'd go back out 
And we did like five shows a night. So I got to play a lot of Castlevania. So I have very fond memories of this. And Nikki, you are going to be playing through one of them. Yes. Soma Cruz, my beloved. Yes. <laughs> Imagine all the hearts like falling down on the screen. <laughs> he's he's the only one I love uh, close to the same amount as Alucard. Have I played any Castlevania games? I've played Judgment, so we don't talk about that. Um, but I still love Alucard. I love Soma Cruz. So I'm very excited. I finally get to play the game with one of them. I think you are going to very be very excited about this game. Yay. A game that you are playing that a lot of people are very excited about is ActRaiser Renaissance. Yes. So how is it being God? Great. I didn't like, it's great because they give you this like cute little angel boy who like shoots things and he's like sassy. And then you get this like buff like greek warrior guy and he like slashes things with his axe and then i'm on the second part and you get this cool witch lady and she uses this like like thunderball it's pretty cool yeah this is a game when it was announced that i think everyone lost their mind about because it was a beautiful surprise that no one saw coming and we all love beautiful surprises that no one sees coming. I didn't see it coming because I never played the original. Me neither. I think so. I think Mike Salbato just started. I don't want to say spontaneously crying, but I wouldn't be surprised. Nobody who nobody who knows me would be surprised that I have not played this game. Yeah, uh, this is. I have to admit, this is an SNES classic that I uh, missed. Did not rent this at Abercrombie Video. Probably should have. Didn't. Maybe I should rectify that with this. And the last thing I wanted to mention was Rune Factory 5. We finally got news of an English release. And, uh, Ooh, oh. Sorry, I was so, listen. Ooh. Yep, somebody somebody made an involuntary sound. Nikki, what? what? Oh my God. Well, what we were talking about, remember? About the marriage? Yes. In Japan, you can only do the straight marriage. But guess what? Exceed the localizers did. Oh, baby. You can you can marry anybody, and they added the cutscenes no matter who you added. Oh my god! So okay, here's some context. Rune Factory Five is going to be the game of the year next year. Uh, this is a fact. I know it because I'm from the future. Anyways, mm -mm, mm -mm, here's mm -mm, listen, mm. listen. They have the cutscenes for when you get married, and they added the new cutscenes for the gay and lesbian marriages because you can marry anybody, and they have anime cutscenes, and they added it, and they did everything, and I'm gonna cry. Oh my god, that's it. I'm screaming. Exceed <laughs> Games, you dropped this crown. Here you go. That's the king stuff right there. Oh my gosh. Screaming. That's it. Rune Factory 5. Dun 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 dun. Well, I can't add anything to that, Caitlin. I mean, I want to protest on behalf of Horizon, but <laughs> but that would be callous of me, so I won't. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Nintendo uh, news section of Random. Um, we are running long, but I did want to, I really wanted to toss this discussion question out because I like this discussion question. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, so let's just, let's just keep this a little tight. So here's the discussion question. What is your favorite animal in a video game and why? It can be a fictional animal. It can be a species of animal. It could be a specific animal. It doesn't need to be a, it doesn't need to be any, uh, just what is your favorite animal in a video game? So I'll go first. Uh, I really like chocobos. I've always really liked chocobos. I I like the fact that they are, I can never pronounce it, gastronorus? They're, they look like an actual like bird that once existed that was probably not bright yellow or capable of being ridden because there were no humans. But I just think they're cute and I think that they are fun and I like their music very much. So they're like my favorite animals in video games. Uh, 
Caitlin, how about you? What is your favorite animal in a video game? Cats. Cats. I love it when games have cats. Um, I love it more when I can pet the cats, Mm -hmm. but I'll take looking at cats if I, you know, can't have petting cats too. Which reminds me, we left out a very important part of Lost Judgment. Yes, the cats! Which was, there are a lot of cats in this game. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of cats in this game. And you can pet them! You can pet them. And I I think I mentioned to you in the pre-show, the thing that amuses me the most about the cats in this game is how... Uh, the developers, like I, when I first started playing, I spent, I spent like an hour and a half in the batting cages, like just nailing everything. And I spent, I think I probably got like 400 SP for the entire experience. I made friends with one cat. I get 5,000 SP. So clearly you see where the priorities of the developers are. Cats can hook you up. Cats can hook you up. Cats can hook you up with some good, good shit too, uh, in this game. So yeah, if you're playing Lost Judgment, make friends with cats. Feed them lots of food. It's worth it. Uh, Nikki, what are your favorite? What's your favorite animal in a video game? Uh, it's also cats. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> I, I was thinking along the lines of like it could be this magical world with dragons and like like magic and stuff, but then there's like a cat, and I'm like, that's great. Or it could be a magical cat, like in Pokemon, that they have a few cat Pokemon. It's great cats meow yes i knew i liked you yay (laughs) okay so favorite animal in video games is cats and that seems to be a universal answer uh i i take back chocobo cats cats in video games are (laughs) awesome it's three for three woohoo yay (laughs) okay well thank you both very much for uh being on the show i really really appreciate it and uh loved talking to you about these games and i'm sorry that we got off on a little bit of a tangent there but it just i mean that's what random is for it random is for tangents it's very random And we're going to be not doing something very random in two weeks from now. In two weeks from now, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, A feature just got released on RPG Fan, which we are super, super, super proud of, which is So You Want to Get Into the Tales series. We release these every every, uh, couple of months or so, where we take a, a really, really big game series and we break it down and, you know, help people get into it. And, uh, we just released the Tales one. We are super proud of this. Um, and we're going to have, uh, next episode be, we're talking tales. Uh, we're talking the tales series. We're not talking about two, we're not talking about two, uh, tailed foxes. So yeah, check out that feature. If you haven't got a chance to yet, it looks great. And we're going to be talking about it more in the next episode. If you are looking for some more wonderful RPG fan podcasting, we have a ton of, uh, available programming. We have retro encounter starring the, uh, the incomparable Mike Solosi. Uh, we have a new quiz show episode. I was on this episode. Did I make it through? I can't tell you, but you'd have to listen for yourself. I am on it. It was a lot of fun. I think it's a hysterical episode, and I think Mike did an amazing job of the questions, especially the questions in the last uh, the last category, the last round. It is a lot of imagination went into it and a lot of work. So if you like quiz shows, it's a good episode to pick up. Uh, Rhythm Encounter, RPG Fans Music Podcast, uh, Next week, we're going to be doing Final Fantasy XIV. I know it was supposed to be last week, but we had a uh, we had that emergency episode where uh, we got an interview that we were really excited about. So yeah, next week is going to be Final Fantasy XIV. And then uh, two weeks after that is going to be an episode that I'm hosting, and it's going to be about piano music in video games. So we're going to be talking about piano music, and that is something I'm super excited about. I took piano lessons for probably... 10 to 12 years if you put me in front of a piano i would not be able to play a single note if you put sheet music in front of me but uh i know what i like and i know piano music and i'm super excited about this and we also have our sister 
podcast, our partner podcast, Phoenix Edge with Hat and Eric. Uh, they're talking about all the latest news. So if you were looking for some more analysis and uh, talk about RPG and gaming news, please check out Phoenix Edge. If you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random, you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes or if you have ideas for future discussion questions. I love those. Uh, or anything you'd like to share with us, just thoughts about the show, uh, please fire it off to us. Um, if you'd like to send me an email, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com or you can find me on Twitter at jono underscore Logan. And we have two other people on this podcast who also have, you know, places online where you can talk to them. Caitlin, where can we find you online? Um, uh, you can find me at Aurelia Burrell on Twitter and Discord. Cool. And Nikki, where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Otome underscore Nikki. That's with only one K. If it was two, it'd be a diary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Outstanding. Okay, everyone. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks with Tails. Maybe Greg will be here, uh, which would be exciting. So we'd get Tails and Greg, which is <laughs> Greg and Tails. That's the sounds like the new Sonic spinoff. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.